Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Monday, January 15th. What's up? And welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Did you know that Le'Veon Bell, who's about to be under a microscope, has never had more than 11 total touchdowns in a season? 11. Nine running backs had more than 11 total touchdowns last season alone. Welcome to the show. Hope you all had a great weekend. I'm Adam Azer, here with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and Heath Cummings. Did you guys have a great weekend? Indeed. Good. Fantastic, really. I went to three kids' birthday parties. Did you go to my kids' birthday party? Did I go to your birthday party? My kids' birthday party. We had his first birthday. I mean, I feel like Keith now. You didn't invite me. <laughs> didn't invite any of us. That's, I was busy doing the best fantasy baseball Sunday show we've done all year. Oh, happy birthday, me. Andrew! Thank you uh, to Andrew, my son. Um, when, let me ask you something. When you go to a birthday party, what do you get more excited for, the sandwiches or the pizza? If they have both. Wow, this is a swanky birthday party. If they've got both. Yeah, we had both. Yeah. Wow. You know, Most ones you I go to have both. It's either, right. it's, I shouldn't say both. It's usually pizza, pizza and something pizza else. and sandwiches or pizza and uh, the little chicken tender balls, I guess. Um, salad. <laughs> you ever have salad? <laughs> yeah, I don't go to kids' birthday parties. I have never had tender chicken balls, Jamie. Uh, never had this. <laughs> All right, let's put Le'Veon oh, Bell. We'll do it when we're getting our pedicure. <laughs> let's put Le'Veon Bell under a microscope. By the way, the sandwiches stole the show, and we ordered seven pies and <clears throat> ended up with four and a half left over. So big mistake. Yeah, if you had well, invited me, you'd only have like one and a half. From my experience with New York pizza, I can understand why. Wow. Thin crust, but 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 big slices. All right. So, Le'Veon Bell. So, here's what's on the show today. We'll talk Le'Veon for a bit. Best ball, deep sleepers. He wrote the article. It's on the website, cbsports.com slash fantasy. And uh, we'll give you some sleepers in best ball formats. And then we're going to review our PPR mock draft from last week. We, you know, we have different ways of reviewing mock drafts instead of just going through all the picks, try to be a little more creative with it lately. So, I'm going to ask Dave, Jamie, and Heath about four questions or so on each of their teams and why they... You know, went about uh, their draft picks in a certain way. All right, Le'Veon Bell. So over the last four seasons, obviously not including last season, here's where he's finished. Uh, second in non-PPR in 2014. Let's just do non-PPR. I'm not, uh, so two, then he was injured and played at six games. Then five in 12 games, but he was on pace to be, you know, top two probably. And then two again. And in PPR, it was one, injured, then RB3, and then RB2. But when he was RB3, it was in 12 games. So he basically has been a top two running back for his last three healthy seasons, uh, three seasons, you know, on a per game basis. It's been amazing. Uh, where do you stand on him right now? Let's start with that. Over, overview of Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. I think he has gas left in the tank. I think he's in good shape. I don't think his talent is a question. It's the surrounding talent that worries me. It's his play caller that worries me. It's it's an offense that is not like what he had in Pittsburgh. The familiarity is going to be different. He's going to have some good games, but I'm I'm thinking he's going to have eight touchdowns, 1,200 total yards, a lot of catches, good season, but not first-round good. 1,200 total yards is so low for him because in his last four seasons, he's played five years, 
Le'Veon Bell's been on pace for more than 1,800 total yards in all four seasons and more than 2,000 total yards in three or four seasons. In fact, one year he was on pace for 2,500 total yards. So that is a shockingly low number. I'm not saying it's wrong. The other thing to consider is he's been on pace for 400 touches. He's averaged 400 touches per season in his last four seasons. Like uh, his 16-game pace over the last four seasons, 400 touches, 399. And I would strongly suggest that, or I would think that it's not going to happen. Yeah, with the Jets, with Gase, I I think over three hundred is probably a safe bet. I think he has a decent chance to match his receiving production from when he was in Pittsburgh. I I worry about the number of carries. I think if they're going to spell him, that's going to be the majority of the, the place that they do it. Um, and also I think that there is a concern, like we've talked about it with Saquon Barkley, how good can he be on a really bad offense? I think there's a chance that Saquon Barkley is not even on the worst offense in New York. True. Jamie, what about you? Your take on, on Le'Veon? I mean, it's, it's very similar. You know, I, I think you just look at what, what Adam Gase has done. You know, he got great production out of Jay Ajayi their first year together. Um, you know, when Ajayi was running for 200 yards in, in, in two games and had just a dominant stretch toward the end of the season. He also, you know, got frustrated with Ajayi and traded him away. Uh, he seemed to favor an older, slower, more established guy in Frank Gore over a more explosive player in Kenyon Drake. That doesn't necessarily apply here because I, I don't think anybody on the roster is better than Le'Veon Bell. But it just goes to show you that he doesn't necessarily maximize the talent that he has of the guys in his backfield. And he's kind of said as much, you know, that he doesn't necessarily want to lean on one guy to the same level that Bell has been used when he was in Pittsburgh. I think, you know, it's also what's Le'Veon's motivation? You know, is it to prove that he could be successful in this change of environment? Is he going to prove that he can live up to the contract? I would think that that's the case because he seems to be a motivated player when he's on the field. But he's also shown us that he's a little bit selfish, you know, that he's able to sit out a season and not necessarily worry about what the team aspect of of this is. So I wonder if there's a hamstring tweak or there's an ankle you know, sprain or something, you know, is he quick to rush back to the field because now he has his money? Right. So, you know, those are all things you have to take into account. It's why I, I think, you know, if you're all in on Le'Veon Bell, he's still going to be a first round pick and his ADP suggests that that's the case. But if you're a little bit hesitant, you maybe want to see if you can take him in round two and it, it's really splitting hairs because I think his ADP is probably going to be somewhere between eight and 12. And I think like, I have him ranked, you know, somewhere in the top 15. I don't know, you know, format specific exactly where, but it's in the top 15. So it's just a matter of, you know, who you like better than him at at either the running back position, which for me it's, you know, I, I still take Mixon over him. I'll still take Connor and and, and David Johnson. Um, but it comes down to, you know, Bell versus those guys versus Melvin Gordon now, you know, depending on when his signing takes place, if it does. Uh, and then those other receivers and, and, and Kelsey as well. So there, it, it's... It's a matter of probably five or six spots that, that we're talking about here uh, of where you draft Bell, but it's still something you think you have to consider when you're talking about him versus some of these other backs. All right, let me just correct one thing. I said 399 touches was his 16-game pace over the last four seasons. Actually, 409. I was off by 10. So what I did was I took his fantasy points based on his 16-game pace over, four, over his last four seasons, and I reduced it by 25%. So that would be a 307-touch pace. And if you do that, he goes from being the number one, number two running back, basically, to about number nine. You know, a little bit better in PPR. So, 
Yeah, yeah, maybe like number nine in non-PPR, number seven or so in PPR. So what's interesting, though, is that his touchdown rate's always been really low. So it's kind of a difficult exercise. Like I mentioned, 11, 11 touchdowns, 11 total touchdowns is a, a career high for him. He's never had more than that. And it, all of the elite running backs are pretty much going to do that guaranteed. And I think one thing it's funny is that the, the Steelers gave Connor an opportunity to score double-digit touchdowns last year, which probably would have been uh, you know, one or two more if he had played the you know the games that he missed. So were were they sticking it to him, to Le'Veon Maybe. a little bit, Maybe. you know, for not showing up and yeah. giving Connor some of those red zone opportunities? I, I think Adam Gase will get give him those chances, but uh, you know, like he said, you know, how good will this offense be? Will he have those chances like he would have had in Pittsburgh? How many touches per game do you think he's going to get with the Jets? Eighteen. I was, I was exactly what I was going to say. He averaged twenty-seven point one touches per game with the Steelers. In uh, 2017, and I think 18, uh, maybe 19. I've got I got him for 302 on the season. Okay, that's exactly because I said you take away 25 percent of his production, 25 yep. percent of his touches. That's 307 uh, per 16 games. So yeah, so weird with the touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell in 2016 had five carries inside the five yard line. That same year, David Johnson had 22. 2017, uh, he had six carries inside the five yard line. That same year, Todd Gurley had 18. So I expect that to change. I expect them to be more involved inside the five. Last thing. Well, one thing, though, uh, you know, just in, in terms of Adam Gase, uh, Dolphins weren't a very good team last year, right? I think we all agree on that. Sure. Even they finished 7-9. Yeah, yeah. um, his two main running backs of Gore and Drake, 276 carries, over 1,200 yards rushing, only four rushing touchdowns, but 67, 65 catches. Over 600 yards receiving, six touchdowns. I mean, if Le'Veon's getting that, which is probably safe. Getting all of that? Well, not entirely all of that, but, I mean, you would assume he's he's basically, at this point, would you say the combination of Gore and Drake is basically Le'Veon? I'd like to think that it could be. In terms of touches, obviously not talent. Yeah, I don't think he's getting, you know, 1,800 total yards. Unless so twelve hundred could games. be low. He's what do you have him projected for? How many total? Yards? Uh fifteen. Okay. So like yeah, fifteen hundred and eight. I, I would like say that. fifteen to sixteen hundred total. Fifteen to sixteen hundred total yards. Can I run off some schedule notes on him? Yeah. Think about these run defenses from last year. Bills, Browns. Think about their. Think about the Browns' defense now, not from last year. Browns, Patriots, Eagles, Cowboys, Patriots, Jaguars. That's Those are his good. first seven games. Other than the Bills, it's not very good. And last thing, we'll move on. He has that very patient, unique rushing style. Sits behind the line of scrimmage for a little bit longer than most running backs. Tries to find the hole. He's always had a very good offensive line. I really think that's my biggest concern. Is I just it's don't one know, of them. It's got to be. Right? I just don't know how that's yep. going to translate. Well, um, I, I wrote about him and, and Saquon for our next edition of our magazine. And... And just looking at some of the quotes from the first press conference when Le'Veon was there during minicamp, Gay said that having him there for the time that he did show up, remember he didn't come to the, the beginning part of offseason workouts, was big because specifically for what you just said, Adam, about the offensive line, getting used to his running style. You know, so understanding that, you know, they may open a hole on the left side and he may think he has more to go more room to go on the right side, you know, even if there's a hole not there. That's just his, his running style. You know, we joke around, you know, tiptoeing through the tulips. Um, so that's that's one thing, you know, I think that the continuity has to develop. 
the Steelers offensive line was together for years. The other part of it is, is that he told uh, Pete Prisco drink. Uh, I'm glad you just did. I was um, drinking. How about that? Uh, uh, I felt it coming. On, on two separate occasions, on the record, off the record, that while he may not get the same amount of work uh, running the ball, that they may use him more as a receiver than they did in Pittsburgh. That's hard to imagine because he was so involved in the pass game. He was basically their second receiver behind Antonio Brown. But in a receiving core that's changing, you know, uh, with a couple of new faces or at least one, you know, significant one in Jameson Crowder, you have the tight end now gone for four games, you know, so he could be heavily involved in that part of the passing game. And that's one way to get around tough run defenses. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's Le'Veon Bell under the microscope. Thank you on Twitter for uh, your suggestions. I said, who do you want to hear about? And Bell and Mike Evans seem to get the most votes, so maybe we'll do Mike Evans later in the week. I plan on having a mailbag show tomorrow. We're running out of time where we can really do a lot of mailbag stuff, so I think we'll probably do one tomorrow, maybe Thursday. But I expect three shows this week, and then five shows beginning next week. Awesome. The fourth and final golf major of 2019 is here, and the First Cut podcast is set to break down the Open Championship all week long. Kyle Porter, Mark Immelman, and Chip Patterson will have you covered with a preview podcast on Tuesday, post-round analysis after round two on Friday, and following the final round on Sunday. So be sure to subscribe to the First Cut podcast for coverage of Royal Portrush all week. News and notes. Uh, One of Melvin Gordon's agents said that Melvin Gordon is prepared to sit as long as he needs to. Has anything changed in your mind since we last spoke about this on Thursday? I mean, he he said at uh, SportsCon this weekend in in Dallas that he wants to get paid, and there's a a video circulating of him saying he didn't mind what Le'Veon Bell did, and he would have done the same thing. The question is, will the Chargers pay him or trade him, I think. I don't really expect Melvin Gordon to play week one if the Chargers have not paid him or traded him. I think they've offered him something. They have. I mean, this is. I just. Th- there's been. He just didn't like it. Right. There's been some stalled contract talk uh, after initial conversations this offseason. He, when he talked, where was it where he talked about being? It was at minicamp. Did a press conference at minicamp, and he talked about Gurley's contract and David Johnson's contract, and he's looking for something like that. And my guess is the Chargers didn't give him that, and so he was going to raise a stink. This is the same franchise that drafted Melvin Gordon when Ryan Matthews ran out of gas. They drafted Ryan Matthews when LaDainian Tomlinson ran out of gas. They seem to know what they're doing, at least when it comes to running backs. Uh, I don't yeah, know if they know what the they case, do for a lot of things. They would have done it in the draft. I mean, you know, they obviously anticipated having Melvin Gordon for this year and probably yes. for the next several years. So it's um, Well, for this year anyway. Well, I mean, I would imagine if they're trying to sign him. They may have been lowballing him, but they're still trying to sign him. Yeah, they're notoriously cheap, I think. They're one of the cheaper teams in the league. They also owe Phillip Rivers a new deal. Some people think cheap equals Well, smart, that's, so. that's, that's the other <laughs> well, part of it. When it comes to running back, it works. David Johnson got his contract when the quarterback was cheap. Todd Gurley got his contract when the quarterback was cheap. You know, Ezekiel Elliott will see what they do before they pay Dak Prescott. If, in fact, they do pay Zeke before they pay Dak Prescott. Look, it, it's it's a different situation. They have a veteran quarterback that's getting a lot of money. They have defensive guys that have to pay a lot of money to. Yeah, so do too. It's just a different, you know, situation for him because, you know, he's he's entering what should be the prime of his career, not necessarily based on the position he plays, but his age. So, you know, you like to see him get what he what he thinks he deserves. I think the David Johnson contract is the one that makes the most sense. You know, pay him similar money. Um, hopefully they get it worked out. You know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see when you do your fantasy draft if it's going to be hands-off Melvin Gordon until it's just an absolutely steal 
of, of a chance to take? Or are you taking him early and you're going to get burned by it? Ezekiel Elliott could still be charged in that Las Vegas incident where he shoved, made contact with, breathed on a security guard. He made contact. He, he, yeah, he went over the line. But they already said he's not going to be suspended, so doesn't really matter, right, for our purposes? He's also apparently being extorted by the guy. Yeah, right. So, uh, okay, it doesn't really matter. Patrick Mahomes threw a football sort of out of Arrowhead Stadium. He threw it over the scoreboard. I was that, less. That would be out of the stadium. No, because it wasn't out of the stadium. Like it still stayed in the confines of the stadium. It was out of the bowl. Yeah, but it was in right. The, it landed in the concourse. The outer concourse. Yeah, I was not that impressed. I'm sorry. It was, it was <laughs> fine. I, I was not as impressed as like, the headlines. From suggested. the point where he was standing, I'm not sure you could have thrown it into the stands, much less over the stands. Me? Yeah. I expect Patrick Mahomes to have a slightly stronger arm than I have. He was standing. I don't, right, he was standing right next to the railing. I don't know how many NFL quarterbacks can do what he did. It was cool, but I didn't think it was really. I thought it was clickbait. I thought I, I think I got baited. Da, uh, Heath, let's talk about best ball sleepers. So, a, a quick explanation of best ball for our listeners who may not know. Yeah, these are based on ADP on draft and best ball tens. And this is a format where you draft 18 to 20 players, generally no defenses or kickers, and you don't have to decide who to start each week. Your top quarterback, your top two running backs, your top two or three wide receivers, your top tight end, your top one or two or three flexes. That week in points, that's who your starters are. And it's points only over the course of the season, week one through 16. I went through and looked for values on draft, which those leagues are generally not quite as many teams uh, outside of the top 125 in ADP and values on best ball tens outside of the top 150. Okay. And you'll do how many, like 40 best balls? Ish. Yeah. And they're fun because once you draft, that's it. You know, you don't have to manage it during the season. You still could get some action. Okay, so quarterback, the captain of your of your team here at quarterback is who? Of your uh, sleeper team. Uh, well, I've got two, one for draft, one for best ball tens. For draft, it's Mitchell Trubisky. And I think one of the good arguments against Trubisky from last year is that too much of his production came in two or three games, maybe even one game. That's not a very good argument against him in a best ball format <laughs> because you kind of want those guys that are going to blow up on a week-to-week basis. I expect that he's going to be more efficient in his second year in Matt Nagy's system. And I think the Bears' schedule is going to mean he has more pass attempts than he did last year. And who is the other quarterback? It was Tom Brady, your boy. No way he finishes as a number 18 quarterback. <laughs> he won't. He'll play 16 games. He'll definitely be better than that. But I, I would think, is he is Tom Brady better in best ball than he is in seasonal? The thing is, I don't care to draft him in seasonal because I don't think he's going to be a starter. In best ball, there will be five or six weeks where I use him, and I'm going to draft two to three quarterbacks in that format. Yeah, and again, if you've never played best ball, he says where I use Tom Brady. He's not really using Tom Brady. It's just Tom Brady's well, stats going, my, are going to My team to will count. use him. Your I just team, won't make yeah. that decision. Right. You don't have to make the decision. It's just you get those Brady, those big Brady games. Okay. Cool. Uh, Dave, Jamie, Trubisky and Brady in best ball. You like it? Like those calls? I like it, but I like a lot of quarterbacks in best ball. I think there's a lot of players that can come through with what Heath was talking about with Brady. Five big games. 
to help pace your team. This is this is the format where I'm not going to go crazy reaching for a quarterback. Right, and that's why uh, Trubisky you can I wait think a is longer time in best ball. The number eighteen quarterback or sixteen quarterback, Brady's the number nineteen quarterback. So yeah, this is waiting. Yeah, so obviously this is not waiting, but separate question: Drew Brees, especially with his history of home road splits, his history of like mega games in prime time, is Drew Brees a great best ball quarterback? If he was cheaper, where's he going? I think he's QB nine. But that's soon. that's kind of what he is in seasonal. So isn't he a better best ball quarterback than he is in seasonal? He may be. He may be. It's a great call by me. Just but he's not it. my QB9. I don't think he's Dave or Jamie's QB9. He's exactly my QB9. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, not for me. Yeah, no, I'm talking about ADP. I, I assume he's still a top 10 quarterback in ADP. Yes. Uh, he's right there, yeah. yeah. He had six games last year with 30-plus fantasy points. That's in our system. That was tied for that's second huge. best. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. All right, so give me some other guys. You don't have to give me all 10 guys. Everybody, go to the website. Again, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash football. Go to the website. Read the story. It's very good. Uh, but who are some other guys that you'd be targeting in best ball as sleepers? Some of my other favorites, Jordan Reed, who has an ADP of like 156. You're going to draft two or three tight ends in this format, so it matters even less that Reed's probably going to miss some games with injury. You can just benefit from those good games when he's active and not worry about it. He is a guy I like to take if I miss out on the top six, because I can wait a hundred picks, take Jordan Reed and then take two or three other tight ends to go along with him and cover the weeks that he misses. Um, Josh Gordon is outside of the top 200. I took him in the Scott fishbowl over the weekend. And I don't know if Josh Gordon's going to play this year, but we've got enough signs from him and Brady and the Patriots that it's at least still possible that I think you should take the guy that was Tom Brady's most efficient wide receiver when he was on the field last season. And then, of course, Bruce Anderson. We can't go a podcast without saying Bruce Anderson's name. Sure. Buccaneers running back. Do people who win best ball leagues often just have the running back who backed up the dude who got hurt? I, I wouldn't say often, but it does happen. Yeah. So does it make it sense helps. to take a yeah. lot of those types of run, those back backup running backs that have massive upside if the starter gets hurt? I don't take a lot of them, but there are certain guys. The problem is, like, you've got to have a rare combination of someone that you think is at least decent on a good offense that you don't think is going to have to share. And so that, that combination is pretty rare. There's not a lot of those guys. Do you have an example? Well, you have Madison in your story. You have Alexander yes. Madison. Ma I think Madison's a very good example because I think the rest of the running backs on that team are, are not very good at all. And Dalvin Cook's missed 17 games the last two years. Do you feel like you always should handcuff your top running backs in best ball? No. No? I, w I would if you get a running back in an offense that consistently See, produces the, great running backs. The thing is, and it depends, because there are best ball leagues that are 50-50 leagues where you just have to finish in the top half of the league to almost double your money. In that format, I'd be much more likely to do it. In a league where there's 10 of us in the league and only first place is getting 100 bucks. I don't really care what my floor is. It's a waste I'm just of a worried about ceiling. If my first round running back gets hurt, there's a pretty good chance my, my team's done anyway. Uh, okay, makes sense. All right, we'll take a break here on Fantasy Football Today. When we come back, we'll talk about the PPR mock draft that we did last week. 12 teams PPR with three wide receivers and a flex. I will ask Dave who had the sixth pick, Heath who had the seventh, and Jamie who had the ninth pick questions about their teams. That's coming up right after this on FFT.
The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I'll just tell you the first round of this draft that we did last week. Again, it was PPR. It was Kamara. I had the second pick. Saquon Barkley. Christian McCaffrey. Ezekiel Elliott. DeAndre Hopkins. Melvin Gordon to Dave. Julio Jones to Heath. Devontae Adams to Will Brinson, and then Jamie took Juju Smith-Schuster. I know Jamie wanted Devontae Adams. David Johnson, James Conner, and Michael Thomas. That was your uh, your top 12. All right, so Dave, I'm going to get you first here. You had the sixth pick. You took Melvin Gordon in round one. This was before the news. Yeah, thank you for making that clear. Yeah. Uh, round bad, two. Bad pick, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you thinking, Dave? How did you not see this coming? It's all going to work out. He'll play. It'll be great. I've got nothing to cry about. Uh, round two, you took George Kittle. You took Kittle ahead of Nick Chubb, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, some other, you know, really good players. Uh, and just ahead of Zach Ertz. I know you have Kittle ranked ahead of Ertz, at least in PPR. So uh, talk about that pick, why you took George Kittle with the seventh pick of round two. I don't want to mess around at tight end. I like having one of those big three stud tight ends that catch a lot of passes Kittle looks great to me. At least last year he did. I think he keeps it going in San Francisco with Garoppolo back. And uh, I, I picked him over Antonio Brown. I believe I have Brown ranked higher than him in PPR. That's something I'm going to have to think about. But I just I think you have a clear advantage with your lineup when you've got one of those three tight ends compared to the crapola that's left in round 10 plus. And obviously, as I ask Dave questions, Heath and Jamie, feel free to chime in with your questions or comments. So, yeah, Kittle and Earth's going back-to-back. I think usually I feel like Nick Chubb is going to go before them and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. So, yeah, what did you think? Dave obviously wants that tight end, probably wasn't going to get one of them in round three. So your thoughts on that pick? I have Kittle behind Brown, Chubb, and Ertz, but I do have Ertz ahead of Chubb and Brown, and I do agree that it's like we can rank players in whatever order, but you get to that middle of the second round pick and you recognize I can have Zach Ertz or George Kittle or I can have a question mark at tight end, and it's hard to pass on the tight end. I'm starting to feel, though, with more and more drafts that I do, that the value you're getting from guys like Ingram and O.J. Howard and late round four, early round five makes me feel better about passing on those two guys in terms of Ertz and, and Kittle and even to a, a larger extent, Travis Kelsey. Um, because while they should be head and shoulders above the rest, when you start to factor in the value of what you're getting at those spots and then what you could be getting with those other two guys and, and maybe even Hunter Henry as well, there's, there's 
in my opinion, just a lot to like about those second group of the second wave of tight ends. But you got to get them. Well, I mean, it's the same as trying to get Kittle or too. Well, sure, right. If I've got an early first round pick and I'm in late round two, odds are I'm probably not going to get one of the top three tight ends. And if I'm going to go receiver, receiver, I just have my heart set on it. Then of course I'm not going to get those tight ends. Yeah, that's interesting. I over the last month on Fantasy Football Calculator, Travis Kelsey, fifteenth off the board. They're falling. Ertz thirtieth and Kittle thirty six. I, I told you about that one draft I did where I took Kelsey early round two, and then watched both Ertz and Kittle go past me again in round three. That's a bad feeling. Yeah, it was terrible. It, it was it was sickening, you know. And then to see where OJ Howard and, and Evan Ingram went, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, oh God, I shouldn't have taken it. Were they way later? Do you remember? Yeah, it went. It went. They fell to round four. This is an analyst draft. No, I'm talking about Howard and Ingram. Oh, um, was it like after round five? Uh, it, it was <sighs> probably in the round five range. I'll look it up. All, all right, right, all right. Yeah, because like, I, I this so this might be an area where we're going to acknowledge that the CBS drafts might be a little higher on the tight ends than the industry drafts or the you know non-analyst I, drafts. I, I think also... Top three tight ends, that is. It, you feel a little bit more in the three-receiver league. Right, this is a three-receiver league. Good point. Okay, so that's, uh, that's Dave's first question I had for, for Dave. Uh, second question. James White is your RB2. You took him in around four. Are you comfortable with, with that? Yes. It, ideally, I would prefer somebody else to be my RB2, but he was the best available running back at the time when I made the pick. Ugh, Inger went around seven. Wow. Wow. So it's it, that draft, they were just all totally devalued. Mm-hmm. And That's Jamie, that, how, that draft, how, how, how often is that going to happen? Howard. Is that going to be like the norm? Well, again, like Adam told you, we're seeing ADP for those two other guys in Kittle and Ertz falling. But, Jamie, was that a three-receiver league? Yep. With a flex. So that could be part of it. Yep. And that's my point. The, the more roster spots you have, I think the less valuable tight end is. That's only one more roster spot, so I don't think it's a huge deal. I was really referring more to those like big dynasty leagues where you have you know, three flexes and just like a bunch of guys starting. But this is It devalues it a little bit. I still feel like maybe a little bit too much in the draft Jamie did. Okay. Um, yeah, so James White. I think he's a pretty interesting player, guys. The five rushing touchdowns last year really stand out for James White. Yeah. He had two career rushing touchdowns before last season. They go in and draft a running back pretty early who might get some more goal line work. I'm not sure James White gets five rushing touchdowns, but let's just say you took his fantasy point total last year and you take away 18 fantasy points. Let's say you take away three rushing touchdowns from him. He doesn't move at all in PPR. He still ends up being RB10. In PPR, which was interesting, but it was a career year all around for James White. So, um, you know, no, I'm interesting. I'm, I would project him for right around a thousand total yards, six, seven touchdowns, but sixty plus catches. I do not think that player that you just said is a fourth round pick. Not even close. And that's where you took him. That's like a sixth round pick to me. Yep. Mm, okay. I think I have him projected a little better than that, but. It's it's gonna be tough to replicate what he did last year. I do have him for seventy catches, uh, about a thousand yards and six touchdowns. The, I'll the, tell you the, the running. Hope, backs. The hope would be is that Gronk being gone helps him tremendously. 
Yeah, and, and I'll say, like, so he caught seven touchdowns last year. That's a pretty good number. And in 2016, he only caught five touchdowns, but if you just look at the 12 games he played with Tom Brady, well, he caught five touchdowns in those 12 games, which is a seven-touchdown pace. Gronk only played eight games that year. You could argue that, well, you should argue, with Tom Brady healthy in two of the last three years, James White has been on a seven-receiving touchdown pace, which the, is very The thing good. is, it's not just the touchdowns. He yeah. had never had more than 86 targets in a year and had 123 last year. Yep, and carries and everything. I mean, it was just career year. Right, but we, we were expecting a good start for him with Edelman being right. one, and now Edelman back, but no Gronk. Okay, so that's, uh, that's James White. Next question for Dave. You're, you love running backs. You know, you're, you're a running back guy. You like to stockpile them. Let's take a look at your roster. By the way, Dave went Melvin Gordon, George Kittle, Stefan Diggs, and then James White. How do you feel in general about the running backs on your squad? Um, if you have them up, please feel free. If not, yeah, I've got them. Go ahead. So after Melvin and James White, and let's assume that Melvin is in camp on time yep. for the sake of this discussion. Uh, my other running backs are not great. Jordan Howard, Peyton Barber. Malcolm Brown, Justice Hill, Alexander Madison. Yeah, it's not a very but Dave I got Richard them all, team. I got them all round eight plus. I don't mind them as depth, which is exactly what they are. So when you look at your team, are you... We're cool? also playing this league out for $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be down with that. No, I don't, I don't love this team. And maybe part of the problem was that I went Kittle in round two. Or maybe part of the problem is that I've got a couple of receivers behind Diggs who are, well, they're Ridley and Will Fuller and Anthony Miller. And these are starters for me. One's in the flex and the other two, this is a three-receiver league. I didn't. I don't want to say I neglected wide receiver, but I think the argument can be made that when I took James White, I could have taken, I think Kenny Galladay was still on the board this at is that also, point, so I could have yes. gone that direction yeah. and then found a running back a round or two later. This is also, while they're great players, one of the problems when you take quarterback tight end in the first five or six rounds. And you yeah, I got luck in six. six. So it, it you, like you could have had in that spot. I mean, if you wanted, clearly, uh, Miles Sanders, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones. You know, I mean, guys that have a chance. To yeah, I'm it. taking luck over those guys. No, right I, and, and I understand it. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. to enhance your running back depth. You know, those, no, those I, are, I think I think the mistake was James White more so than George Kittle. Because listen, as bad as my wide receivers are, I've got Kittle at tight end, and that's like having a, a wide receiver one at tight end. Yeah, but what? But you, the problem with James White, I don't know that you made a bad pick there. I think you just missed out on this run of running backs, which is... Well, what, which is whom? The only guy that I think that you would have probably taken over James White, which I was surprised you didn't, was Montgomery. You talking to me or, or Dave? You're talking Dave. Well, there's two. There's Montgomery and there's Derrick Henry. Now, Henry's not fun to draft in PPR. Oh, I would take James White over him. So it, is Montgomery for sure going to be the lead guy who's going to no, catch I'm just saying, like, plus if, if, catches if you're, in Chicago? If you're talking about who has more, who has a chance for a higher ceiling, I would think. Oh, there's no question. Montgomery has a chance no for a higher question. ceiling. Just from, I, just from a perspective standpoint, sure. your team looks better with Montgomery in that spot than sure. it does in James White. I felt like White was safer as of now. Well, we're going to talk about Montgomery looks. We're going to talk about that run of running backs that you that you missed. In my opinion, that tier when we ask Heath about his team because Heath had one pick in front of you. He took Kenyon Drake. I, I also feel like he missed out on... like D Marlon Mack went right before Kenyon Drake and James White. 
Which yeah, I would have loved to have had Marlon yeah. Mack. Are you kidding? I'd rather have Kenyon Drake than Marlon Mack. All right. Well, you you are the high guy on Drake. I think a lot of people would would be much happier with Marlon Mack on their team than Drake or White. But uh, let's go to um, my well, last. You didn't even have a chance to do that. Not that you would have. No, I, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. My last question for Dave. I think you addressed it. You're. It's a three receiver league. Your your overall thoughts on the four receivers that you're starting. Three receivers <laughs> and a flex: Diggs, Ridley, Fuller, and Anthony Miller. I like it better in a best ball than I do in a seasonal fantasy league. But these are, I think receivers really deep this year. And I don't mind having those guys on my team as starters. They're to me, they're, I I think Ridley's still going to be good. I think Will Fuller, when he's healthy, you know what to expect from him. He's money. Anthony Miller, I think takes a step forward this year. The depth behind him. I don't even know if they're, if I even drafted, I don't think you did. Uh, John Brown, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. If this, is, if this isn't a, a mock typical of what I do, then I don't know what is. Okay, Heath, you had the seventh pick, one after Dave. You took Julio Jones in round one and Keenan Allen in round two. It was a three-receiver league, so a two-part question. If this had been only a two-receiver league with a flex, would you have gone receiver-receiver, Julio Jones and Keenan Allen? And part two is why do you hate receiving touchdowns so much? I don't hate receiving <laughs> touchdowns at all. I think I've got at least 14 of them between those two wide receivers. Right. <laughs> and probably 210 catches. Um, I would have still gone with that in a PPR two wide receiver draft. My rankings are, are based on that. And that's uh, Keenan Allen was the best player available when I took him. Okay. And you took Keenan Allen ahead of Ertz Kittle. Uh, you took Keenan Allen ahead of Chubb. The same thing we talked about with Dave's pick of, of Kittle. And I would never take Keenan Allen ahead of Chubb in non-PPR. Sure. Uh, all right. You had Carrion Johnson in round three. So Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Carrion Johnson. And you took Kenyon Drake as your RB2. Do you feel like you just missed out on a better tier of RB2? I really like, – I, I can't – I don't have an RB one is what I missed out on because I took a pair of wide receiver ones. Um, but no, I'm very happy with Drake and carry on as my pair of running back twos. I think there is enormous upside. They're not safe at all, but I got some depth at running back that makes me feel okay about it. But this is as good of a start as you can ask for when you go receiver receiver. Mm, well, to me, if, if you're getting two carry guys, on- you consider to be top 20 running backs after going to, yeah. Stand out receivers. It's 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 a very good start. And then to factor in also what he did in round six with Tevin Coleman. I, like would, I think I, I think what you want to do is you want to go receiver, receiver, and then three of your next four picks should be backs. Okay, so Jamie, how much of a difference do you think there is between Marlon Mack and Kenyon Drake? In PPR, I don't think it's much because Mack does, does not catch the ball. It's yeah. it's a very frustrating thing with, with Marlon Mack. Now, ceiling wise, I think Mack has a higher ceiling. But you know, Drake showed us last year that in a just what could be a terrible situation for a guy who plays 16 games and has the talent to be successful. He was just frustrating. I mean, he was still very good. Drake? Yeah. And he caught 53 passes last was, year. Was he better than Marlon Mack last year? I think he was. Probably. In, in fantasy points, he was. Yeah, but who, who, like, felt, who felt more valuable <laughs> on their fantasy? And I'm serious. Who felt more valuable on your fantasy team? Well, this is one of those 16 games versus not 16 games. That's you know? true. Uh, I, I think, you know, you want to look at the points per game, you know, that's the, I think the key. And so how about Drake had five games with 15 plus PPR and Mac had four. So Mac Drake played four four more games. Mac was at, this is, this to me is a telling stat. Matt was 13.6 points per game and Drake was 
12.8. Oh, so, Bernie. <laughs> well, so, yeah, if Kenyon Drake had taken four games off, he'd have been in better shape too. <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> so. The you know, and if you take away the Miami Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, he didn't have the chance to take Mac. So in, in terms of if you love Keenan Allen the way that Heath does, then who'd you take Allen over? Um, I mean, Antonio the Brown, Mike, Mike Evans. Oh, yeah. I'm just talking about receiver. Because oh, yeah. if, you, if your plan was receiver, receiver. You know, so it, that, that's an easy nitpicking, you know, th- those three guys. But, you know, carry on Johnson if he does what he's expected to do. Awesome. Yeah, there you, you know, go. I mean, I think the only guys that you would probably compare him to in that range would, would be maybe Aaron Jones and Devontae Freeman. And it's hard to say that carry on tonight right there with, with those guys. And then, you know, Drake ahead of Derrick Henry in PPR. I'm in total agreement ahead of James White, total agreement. Uh, Montgomery, same thing. You know, Carson, same thing. You know, so I, I think in terms of how you started your team, I love those first six picks. And then Tevin Coleman in round six, you know, just kind of gives you one other guy that if he hits, great. Your flex. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you intended on or if you did to try and get one of the other 49ers backs. I thought about it, and then I don't remember who I took in the Jarek McKinnon round, but uh, I did not take one of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. I did something somewhat similar. Well, not I didn't do something. Almost exactly similar. I, in a draft I'm doing with other analysts, uh, with Chris Towers in, in the draft, he just took Jarek McKinnon in round 10 after I took Coleman, but I, I did some, almost identical. Uh, a little bit better receivers. Um, I took Devontae Adams and Juju Smith-Schuster with my first two picks. Um, Aaron Jones round three, and then... I think I took OJ Howard in round four, but I took Tevin Coleman and uh, Phil Lindsay in round five, Tevin Coleman in round six. So, you know, yeah. similar, similar type of guys, you know, you're, you're just taking running backs that hopefully have the chance to help you, if not be successful for you. Um, but that's, I think the way you have to do it. You go receiver, receiver early, you have to get three of your next four picks should, if it works out, be running backs that get a lot of touches. All right. So Jamie keeps saying he likes Heat's first six picks. So they were Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, uh, remember, he's picking out of the seventh spot. on Johnson, Kenyon Drake, Deshaun Watson, and Tevin Coleman. Which brings me to my, ne- my next question. Why Deshaun Watson over Hunter Henry and O.J. Howard, who went with the next two picks? Why did you go with a lead quarterback over that, I won't say elite tight end, but potentially elite tight end, Hunter Henry and O.J. Howard? He took Watson instead. Well, and I did feel like after those two went with the next two picks, that may have been my undoing in this draft. So I wasn't necessarily pleased with how that worked out. I do have Watson ranked ahead of him. For me, there is a difference because Watson is an elite quarterback and I don't have in PPR Howard and Henry, even in the set, the same tier as Ingram. I think Ingram's ahead of those guys by a, a decent margin and non PPR. I would have Howard a little bit closer to Ingram, but it was more just, I thought Watson was better value. Okay, and you ended up with Jordan Reed as your tight end. Yeah. So my last question for you, Heath, it's a three-receiver league with a flex. Your flex is Tevin Coleman at the moment. Uh, After drafting Julio Jones and Keenan Allen, you waited until round eight to select your wide receiver three, and that was D.D. Westbrook. How do you feel about D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, Tyrell Williams, Kenny Stills, and Josh Gordon as options at wide receiver three and potentially flex? I would assume that I feel better about that group than just about anyone else in the industry because I'm higher on D.D. Westbrook, higher on Tyro Williams, and I just talked to you about Josh Gordon. So I don't feel concerned when I only have to come up with one wide receiver out of that group at all. And I did take Latavius Murray as my fourth running back, just give me a little more depth there as well. 
So I, I'm not really worried about it. And I don't know that it'll be that hard to find a wide receiver three on the waiver wire at some point. You know, it's funny just to go back to the Watson conversation. So you took Jordan Reed in round 10. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Round 10. And I know you're a Roethlisberger guy. Roethlisberger right there? Oh, no. Roethlisberger went round 14. Yeah. Now, I do have a bigger difference in fantasy points between, I think, Watson and Ben. But I would imagine your Ben-Howard combo is much higher than your Watson-Reed combo. Well, it's not because I've got Reed projected for 16 games. Oh. So, no. You're, I mean, yeah. I, I right. would, taking away your 16-game projection, right. what, what Reed typically does. What right. do you have him projected for four games? <laughs> He's going to play more than four games. By the way, I'm, I'm with you on D.D. Westbrook. Guy led the Jaguars' bad passing game last year in every single category. And now he's got Foles, who did great with Aguilar two years ago. Filippo, everywhere he's gone, the slot receiver has played big. This is a huge opportunity for Westbrook if he stays in the slot. I agreed. I, I think a couple things. You know, one would be what Marquise Lee's health is. You know, because he'll be a factor if he's if he's healthy. Also, you know, what are they getting from Josh Oliver? You know, is he going to be a playmaking tight end for them? Speaking of Marquise Lee's health, we should probably have put the Emmanuel Sanders uh, Instagram video in the notes. Oh, it's yeah. one of a couple things. Yeah, he looked good. He did well. He did. Yes, for for, for being at this stage, yes, yes. he looked good for that. Well, that he's was not making la- he's not making huge cuts. That was last he's week, moving. right? That was didn't I talk about that last week? I or think no? it was like Friday. It was over the weekend. Uh, yeah. All right. yeah, all right, yeah. The yeah, Ronald Jones weight good. gain also. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all right, we're done with Heath's team. Great. By the way, three receiver league with a flex at PPR. A lot of people are going to be flexing out another wide receiver. According to the projections. Here are the best wide receivers that are available in this league after a 16-round draft. Adam Humphreys, Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Demarius Thomas, Taylor Gabriel, Cole Beasley, Willie Sneed, Michael Crabtree, Antonio Callaway, Danny Amendola. Michael Crabtree? Yeah, Richard Higgins. Doug Baldwin is also projected. Um, Kendrick Bourne, Josh Doxson. So, yeah, guys will pop up, but this is a format where a lot of wide receivers are probably drafted, and it, it won't be a plentiful a bountiful waiver wire. Jamie, let's go to your team. Pick number nine. You went with Juju Smith-Schuster. This is kind of a weird question, I think, to start with, but I'll ask it anyway. Juju Smith-Schuster and Joe Mixon were your first two picks. Uh, you could have taken Giovanni Bernard all the way up through round 12. He went in round 12. Gio had yeah. two really good games, especially in PPR, when Mixon was out last week. Why did you choose not to handcuff Joe Mixon? Well, you know, mixing missing games in July is really unfortunate. What? So you said he missed two games last week. So I, I said last week. Mm-hmm. Well, he did. It was a pickup basketball game. He just I mean, you know, the Geo would would certainly be somebody that I think would benefit with those July basketball pickup. Yeah. Games. Um, I don't anticipate uh, Geo being a significant factor if Mixon is healthy. Um, there's obvious reasons to handcuff or not handcuff your guy. He's not somebody that I'm typically targeting as a handcuff option. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's something I think that if you're a Mixon owner, you want to consider. Next question. You took Aaron Jones in round three after Juju Smith-Schuster and Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I try not to get nervous about schedules before the season starts, but I do identify Aaron Jones as having what looks like a just absolutely brutal schedule. 
uh, at Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, Philadelphia, at Dallas, and then Detroit. The first five teams were among the 10 best in fantasy points allowed to running backs last year. The sixth team is Detroit. Once they got Damon Harrison, they became a very good team against running backs. Uh, so does Aaron Jones's schedule scare you? I mean, to an extent, it's something you, you, know, you, you downgrade him for a little bit, but with the guys that are in that range and what his expectations should be in an offense that I think is going to be a little bit better than what it was a year ago, um, I'm, not, I'm not scared of Aaron Jones because of that schedule. Okay, the running backs you took him ahead of were Lindsey, Freeman, Josh Jacobs, Marlon Mack, Kenyon Drake, etc. So that's where you took Aaron Jones late round three. Guys, what do you think about that, about that schedule? It's a tough schedule. I'm, I'm looking at his game log from last year. Aaron Jones had 93 total yards and a touchdown at Minnesota in 2018. He only had eight yards on four carries against Chicago. I think he got hurt in that game. He was done for the year after that. He if 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 Matt LaFleur's if Matt LaFleur gets his way, Jones should have enough opportunities to be worth starting against just about everybody. Man, they had a really easy schedule last year in terms of run defenses. At least Aaron Jones did, because he didn't play the first two games of the year and they were against Chicago and Minnesota. Uh he faced, I, he faced I, I agree with layups. Dave, you're not you're not going to bench Aaron Jones. I do think there is a chance that you're four weeks into the season you're thinking I'm not sure Aaron Jones should have been a third-round pick. Sure. And then I, he might yeah. justify it after that. I, it's it's nerve-wracking because of, because of some running back depth in that backfield. If he gets off to a bad start, does it become more of a timeshare than we had anticipated? Or does he become a buy-low candidate when the calendar turns to October? Maybe. All right, Jamie, next question for you. It's a three-receiver league. Three of your first four picks were running backs. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Josh Jacobs. You're nice wi- job. Your wide receivers are Juju, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Hamilton, and Curtis Samuel. So again, Juju, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson, Marquise Goodwin, Deshaun Hamilton, and Curtis Samuel. You cool with that? I mean, uh, Juju stinks, so um, I'm a little worried about him. But I uh, I, I like Robbie Anderson's situation. I I, I think he's going to have uh, a very good, if not great, year. So... Uh, I'm probably different on Robbie Anderson than what the industry is on Allen Robinson, but you know, I, I, I think you look at him in a three receiver league, most people will be thrilled to have him as their third receiver. Um I am and, and I think I made this clear, I'm very excited about Curtis Samuel. Um, you know, if you look at the value of what where you get Samuel compared to DJ Moore, would not be surprised if Samuel's the better receiver for the Panthers this season. Um, I think more as a higher ceiling, but you know Samuel sort, certainly stepped up at the end of last year. Uh, you know I, I've been taking him in every draft, and I still feel the same thing about Deshaun Hamilton. Even with the video of Emmanuel Sanders, I still think Hamilton's going to be a very productive receiver for the Broncos this year. So uh, Goodwin, you know, it, it's kind of one of those late round flyers that I think a lot of people should be taking in deeper leagues, just because again he he was so good with Garoppolo at the end of the 2017 season, and he was somebody I know at least Heath and I were very excited about at the start of last year. Uh, obviously Pettis stepped up. You have Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd. We'll see what this receiving court looks like. But if Goodwin can pick up with Garoppolo where they left off, uh, at least again, at the end of that 17 campaign, you know, he could be somebody that factors in as well. So, uh, I feel like I have a, a, a stud one, a very good two in, in Anderson, and then a rotation of guys that could be uh, in that three spot with Allen Robinson, including the leader of that group. I'm not sure how confident I am outside of Juju, but the, it's a hell of a relay team. 
It's very fast. Yeah, <laughs> they're very fast. You guys have any questions you want to ask about my super team? Why is it so bad? It's so good. Like, I'm... did you draft blindfolded? <laughs> well, I didn't make my well, first I, I, selection. I, I think I told you, Adam, that your team could be unbelievable. I mean, you know, when you when you talk about you have Barkley and the two, what should be the two top Rams guys. You know, as long as it's not frustrating. You know, the hope would clearly be Gurley as the guy, but you know, you, you did the right thing in where you took a chance on Gurley uh, at the turn uh, of the two three turn. Yeah, let's talk um, about. So I, I had the second pick, Saquon but then to Barkley, get, to get Evans Hill and yeah. Cup. I mean, that's that's impressive, oh, especially yeah. if Tyreek Hill doesn't it's miss significant time. Ton of along with along with Dante Pettis as a fourth guy, and James Washington too. I mean, that's uh you know great. He's got receiver. potential. Yeah. Hollywood Brown. I don't think you'll ever feel comfortable starting him, but he's got potential. Deontay Foreman's got potential. Let's play it out. This I, might yeah. this might be the best team of all. It it's a very exciting team. I, I there are like seventeen things that could go wrong and be complete disaster, but it's yeah. a very there's lots of upside. But hold on a second. He covered his butt with Gurley. Maybe. Okay, I have Probably. to tell people who's on my team. So hang on. And quite quite okay, possibly. Okay, okay, okay. I, I have we're, Jared, we're very excited about. I this. have Jared Goff, Saquon Barkley, and Todd Gurley, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, and Cooper Cup. Greg Olson at tight end. Dante Pettis at flex. On my bench, I have Deontay Foreman, Daryl Henderson, who I think I took in the seventh round to handcuff to Gurley. Carlos Hyde, Jalen Richard, and then my backup receivers, fifth and sixth receivers, are Marquise Brown and James Washington. Who is your week one flex? Dante Pettis. Oh, um... If Tyreek's not suspended? If Ty- uh, Tyreek is suspended. Tyreek's suspended. Uh, probably Jalen Richard. Probably James Wash, Marquise Brown. Probably Marquise Brown. <laughs> I don't think Marquise Brown's going to be ready for week one. I mean, it could be Carlos Hyde. Uh, yeah, it could be Jalen Richard. Jalen Richard against Denver, let's say. Or James Washington in a shootout. You could just start England. Gurley and Henderson since Gurley's not I could do that. I could try that. I could try that. Yeah. Yeah. I also have Greg Zerline, so that's seven extra you know, points. A lot of Rams. Yeah. yeah, one, yeah. What are you going to do week nine? <laughs> Lose. He'd be eight no by that point. <laughs> yeah, I do have a lot of ribs. Um, yeah, so th- I guess the only problem is you know you got you got to get Henderson and sure did it did I take it? second pick of round seven? That's what, that was the fine part, yeah seventy fourth overall. Fine, yeah, especially uh, for you because you got Gurley and I obviously I wasn't drafting again for another nearly full two rounds. Right, you weren't going to so. get him. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for loving my team. It might be the best draft you've ever had in the history of your life. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go have a leftover sandwich from the birthday party. Well, you just had 75 pizzas left over. Why are you eating sandwiches? I gave three of the pizzas away to my neighbors and threw out the rest. Did not want any leftovers. Are, I, they getting, are they moving? Why? Oh, I thought it was New York pizza. I thought they are going to use it to pack. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, New York pizza is the best. Do they even have pizza in Kansas City? Wherever the hell you're from? We have Elio's Pizza. You have to freaking microwave it. Okay. We're out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. No, but their, their quarterback can throw the ball out of the stadium. Yeah, out, of the, out of the bowl, not out of the entire state. Big deal. Your quarterback yeah. might not be able to throw 30 yards. I threw the football around. I had a good time on Saturday. He would, I was zinging it. Daniel Jones has a cannon. He, he can run. That's all I know. For Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, I'm Adam. Mailbag tomorrow. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Uh,